So, Pete, have you ever seen a tornado in real life? Uh, you know what? I have not seen a tornado uh, up close, but I lived in a place called Barrie, Ontario, Canada, back in 1985, when a uh, one of the more famous tornadoes in Canada went Devastating. through. Devastating. Devastating. And I uh, remember looking at my front door and seeing uh, the trees in my front yard, wow. and probably about two inches in diameter, just flattened up down against the uh, ground with the wind still attached yeah. to the ground but flattened like perpendicular to the ground yeah like you and you know a few people because there's a few tornado alleys here in Canada I, I grew up in this sort of Ottawa area mm -hmm. and there's you know pretty regular tornado activity there a couple of big ones over the course of my yeah. life but again I, I did, never saw a funnel I saw pictures on the news afterwards. What about a volcano? Have you ever been near an no. active volcano? No, I've never been never been near an active volcano, and we don't get much of those here in the Northern no, Hemisphere. We do not. Um, I, of course, have not been near an active volcano either. And of course, like most of us, we've seen pictures on the news. Well, we did live through, if this isn't dating us, uh, Mount St. Helens eruption. Well, back, back in, in the day. Yeah. And uh, and of course, the famous uh, or, you know, uh, volcano in Ice Iceland, which people well, sure, remember yeah. a few years back. Um, but there's very few people in the world that have seen either of those things. Now, let's say we're in the Sharknado writing room right now and we're coming up with mm -hmm. the next great crazy title. What if a tornado hit an active volcano? A volcano? Uh, a volcano, if you will. <laughs> well, of course, that's a wildly hypothetical situation, which is perfect for what if discussed, because that's what we do. We talk about hypotheticals. hypotheticals. Now, yeah. this is, of course, one of those hypotheticals that maybe nobody in the world would be qualified to even offer a guess as to what would happen if a tornado hit an active volcano, except perhaps today's guest. Okay. Literally, honestly, one of the only people on the planet Earth that certainly has chased their share of tornadoes and literally been in their share of volcanoes. Of course, that is wow. the longtime host of the uh, wildly successful and fantastically entertaining show, Angry Planet. Yeah, yeah. And that is, of course, our guest today, George Karunas. Great. George, welcome to What If Discussed. Thank you, guys. It is, I mean, it is rare to be able to, again, talk to somebody that's had your life experience in a lot of ways. Uh, we'll get to the bigger hypothetical of the tornado in the volcano, but let's just start first with tornadoes. You have, again, chased more than anybody that, and seen more than probably anybody we're ever going to encounter in our lives. What are some of the things that maybe we don't know about tornadoes that we think we know? Oh, there, there's so many things we still don't know about tornadoes. And over the past 20 plus years, I've witnessed, I stopped counting at about 100 that I've wow. seen. Wow. What? Uh, one of the biggest questions that, that science has about tornadoes is why does one storm produce a tornado while another one that forms in a very similar environment from a meteorological aspect doesn't? So there's so many little subtle nuances in the atmosphere. I and mean, when, when you're trying to forecast a tornado, you have to try and make a three-dimensional picture of the atmosphere from the ground all the way up almost to space in wow. terms of the moisture, humidity, wind patterns, wind shear, all of these different ingredients. And if something is off just ever so slightly, it just wrecks the whole recipe. Which, which probably accounts for why they so often surprise people. They're very hard to ultimately sort of forecast. Forecast. Well, you seem to have uh, figured out how to forecast them. If you've seen a, over 100 of them, what, what is the actual formula? Well, you need certain ingredients. You need uh, that, that summertime, hot, humid, 
moist air that provides a lot of fuel for these tornadoes. You need to have um, a, an updraft so that air has to want to go up for some reason, usually from a cold front coming in, sort of acting like a wedge, shoving that warm air up into the air. And then you need to have winds that change direction at different heights in the atmosphere so that as that air rises up, it gets some spin on it. And as that spin intensifies, the entire storm can rotate. These storms, we call them supercells mm. because they're massive. They're the biggest storms on planet Earth. They're, I've seen ones that have been twice the height of Mount Everest. Wow. All of that energy rotating around produces torrential flooding, hail to the size of baseball or larger, vicious lightning, and that rotation can come all the way to the ground and produce massive tornadoes. That is apocalyptic wow. you've, stuff. You've seen a lot of uh, tornadoes, obviously, but uh, let's talk about volcanoes as well. What, can you, what should we know about uh, volcanoes? <laughs> People are terrified of volcanoes, and yeah, for good reason. There's a lot of history with how destructive they can be, but they're also the force that creates the land that we live on. We have a love-hate relationship with, with volcanoes. They produce a lot of very fertile soil and there's a lot of cities uh, that, that are dependent upon you know the the, the 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 bounty of these volcanoes so they are as creative as they are destructive and we're getting a little better at predicting eruptions but we still have a long way to go it's such a good point like that the earth's entire sort of geology geography is essentially volcano activity it's crazy eh? forming you know, so much of uh, of the landmass, yet our sort of only relationship with them is the Mount Vesuvius type stuff, you know? We, like we And just to think about lava, we just did another What If this week uh, talking about how much uh, magma would need, you would need to fill up the oceans, and you could actually fill up the oceans six times over with the amount of magma that's underneath uh, the Earth's crust. Wow. That it would is... take you 30,000 years, but uh, you could... But it's uh, well. Uh, I'm sure you know on a on a planet that's four billion years, thirty six or thirty thousand years, blink of an eye. Um, before we get to the big what if, George, of of what would happen if a tornado uh, hit an active volcano? Because again, we we've said it's wildly hypothetical, but I don't know. Maybe it isn't. So again, you'd probably be the person to ask. Um, could a tornado hit an active volcano? Is it likely? No. The, the places where tornadoes happen and volcanoes happen are very different geographical places. You don't have a lot of active volcanoes in places like Kansas and Nebraska. Sure. Yes. 75% of the world's tornadoes happen in that tornado alley section of the United States. Northern Texas, Kansas, Nebraska, Oklahoma. Sorry, how many? What's the percentage? 75% of the world's tornadoes happen wow. in the United States in that central part. And usually between mid of April to mid June. Guaranteed that's not on your pamphlet if you're a real estate agent <laughs> in that part of <laughs> the world. And that's because, like you were saying, the the, the differences in, in uh, heights and, and wind creation and, and moisture. Yeah, so if you had a volcano in there, you're probably not going to get the same wind yeah. speeds and wind... And you're not getting tornadoes in Hawaii. Well, that's not true. Oh, sorry? Is it true? It's not entirely true. Okay. Just because it's not likely to happen doesn't mean that it's impossible. There have been tornadoes reported in all 50 states, Alaska, Hawaii, all of them. So that is certainly a possibility. 
Tornadoes can happen in the mountains. There have been tornadoes reported on Pikes Peak in Colorado. Wow. So geography can break up storms to a certain degree, but, you know, we're dealing about possibilities here, not probabilities. And of all the volcanoes that I've visited around the world, and I've rappelled down inside 1,200-foot deep craters in places like the South Pacific and the Congo, Ethiopia, Guatemala, those countries don't get a lot of tornadoes. So is there a spot on planet Earth where the two phenomena overlap? Well, you already mentioned it uh, earlier, Richard. You mentioned Mount Vesuvius. Italy, surprisingly, gets quite a few tornadoes. As a matter of fact, one was reported there just the other day, and I saw a video of it. So we've got a place here in Europe where they get tornadoes from time to time, and they also have active volcanoes. Mount Etna is active all the time. Mount Stromboli is erupting today. It erupts every single day and has been doing so for 2,000 years. But you mentioned Mount Vesuvius. So if we're going to take our theoretical example and take it to the nth degree, let's take a volcano like Vesuvius. It is possible that a tornado could strike. The, 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 the odds are infinitesimally small, but it's not zero. So then if it is possible, let's get to the big what if question. What would happen if a tornado hit an active volcano? Well, shall we extrapolate to the extreme? Yes, you're in the right place. You've come to the right place to do deep scientific minutiae. Well, let's do that. Let's start in the tornado world. So the largest tornado ever documented, which I filmed myself personally, was in El Reno, Oklahoma, May 31st, 2013. And it was 4.3 kilometers wide. That's 2.6 miles. Guinness World Record, the biggest. So let's assume here that that tornado is going to hit Mount Vesuvius as Mount Vesuvius is having the same type of eruption that it had in 79 AD that totally buried the city of Pompeii. Shall we go to that level of extreme? Yes, there we go. (laughs) So the tornado itself is going to have, let's say, it's the highest category of tornado, an EF5. EF stands for Enhanced Fujita. It's named after Ted Fujita, a, a researcher. So if you had a tornado that big, the, as strong as tornadoes get, between 250 to 300 plus miles an hour, air starts to, basically starts to act like a solid. It's so powerful. And every little piece of debris is like a deadly airborne missile. That strength of a tornado could take a well-built house, wipe it clean off its foundation, and throw the debris half a mile away or more. So you take that and you combine that with a volcano. Okay, let's get crazy. Mm -hmm. During the eruption of Vesuvius back back in Roman times, it was a Plinian eruption. There's a style of eruption where you have these massive explosions. And I mean massive, Mount St. Helens style, massive, where you have this gray column of hot ash and gas and rock going high up into the air. Ooh, I see where you're going here. So now you've got all of that debris. You've got sulfur gas. You have volcanic ash, which is microscopic shards of basaltic glass. You have rocks. You've got chunks of lava. Now they're being whipped around by 300-mile-per-hour winds. So we're talking 
the worst place in the world to be. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about obviously flying uh, flying rocks, flying ash, lava, I guess, to some degree. It, I, I'm picturing a blender, you know, gone crazy with, you know, all sorts of whatever at a macro level. It's It would be the ultimate disaster movie, I'm guessing. It would be. Just the ash alone. Forget about the blocks of lava rock that could be as big as your house. Forget those entirely. Just the ash alone being whipped at those speeds would sandblast your skin completely off of your body in seconds. So that's, it's a level of destruction that is difficult for the human brain to comprehend once you add those two elements together. Well, it's interesting because again, these are hypotheticals right now, but again, probably not a lot of people on this planet more qualified uh, to be able to speak to the projections for extreme weather patterns that are, you know, you could argue are being experienced right now, but are certainly projected going forward as 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 climate change influences what, you know, some people are calling future super storms and all these other things. So from that perspective, what are what are something, you know, what are the types of things that you've discussed with colleagues that scientists are actually discussing uh, with with genuine worry about the types of extreme weather disasters that we could see in the future, not as hypotheticals, but as realities? Yeah, well, we're seeing all kinds of really weird weather effects uh, in relation to climate change, because as as the oceans get warmer, there's more fuel for hurricanes. So there's the potential for hurricanes to be maybe more numerous, but certainly stronger. You're basically injecting them with rocket fuel. Hmm. And we had an instance kind of similar to, to what we're talking about here, not with a volcano, though. But during the California wildfires a few months ago, we had a, an interesting situation where the fire was so intense that the heat coming off the fire created an updraft that formed what we call a, a pyrocumulus cloud. So the heat creates a cloud. The cloud grew so big it turned into a thunderstorm, a pyrocumulonimbus cloud. Wow. And then it started to spin. So now we had this supercell thunderstorm that was literally created by the wildfire, and that storm produced an EF3 tornado. So you've got this intense rotation and a tornado that was formed by this interaction of the wildfire plus the general weather patterns. So what we're talking about here with the volcano, it's, it's kind of crazy, but it's, there's some nugget of reality built into that. And it was for the first time ever, the National Weather Service had to issue a tornado warning, a wildfire. Wow. Yeah, that is nuts. Uh, so much more to sort of dive into here, uh, because I think we are just scratching the surface on what the future potentially holds. You have obviously, again, had a pretty unique life experience to this point. So you've, you know, again, you've chased tornadoes, you've you've been lowered into volcanoes. It's honestly like it's it's like living a thousand years, the, the, the things you've been able to experience, but also share that help a lot of people understand these things better. And we'd like to do a little more of that with you as well. So can you stick around for a few more questions on the other side? Absolutely. Excellent. So a little more with George and the audio only. Yeah. Before we leave you, uh, uh, the folks who are watching us on YouTube, where can they find uh, more of your work, George, and uh, follow follow what you do? You can find everything, all my social media links, YouTube channel, everything's on FuriousEarth.com. 
Perfect. So, well, if you want to hear more with Angry Planet's George Karunas about what might happen if an active volcano was attacked by a tornado, uh, click on the link below and that'll take you to the extended audio podcast. If you're already listening on the extended audio podcast, you don't have to do a single thing. Just continue to enjoy. Just continue. And if you can't continue this journey with us, well, that's going to be your loss because there's going to be some more exciting stuff on the other side. But if you have to go, eh. Thanks anyways for joining us here today on What If Discussed. So again, we're still with uh, our friend George Karunas, uh, host of Angry Planet and many other incredible endeavors uh, sort of documenting day job, which is obviously following and, and breaking down and understanding extreme weather, extreme phenomena, and helping us then understand those things better. Yeah. So certainly uh, valuable work for everybody involved, um, but dangerous work. I mean, who are we kidding? You're chasing storms. You're, you're, you're putting yourself in situations that are high risk, to say the least, what is the closest call you've had when chasing a storm? Ooh, geez. Uh, that's a great question. Would you like the whole list or just the top 10? Wow. <laughs> like, honestly, I, I like part of me wants to say, you know what? Let's just go for two hours here because I want to hear every one. Let's go with every but, time you soiled a pair of underpants. Yeah, that's probably the ones that obviously come to mind as, as, as the, the, the ones that really freaked you out, which would be saying something. Yeah, um, being in the middle of Hurricane Katrina as it was making landfall in the strongest part of the storm on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, just east of New Orleans, where it was basically like being in a blender for an entire day. Uh, that was absolutely frightening. We, we were warned by the National Weather Service that tall buildings would sway to the point of collapse. And we were in a steel-reinforced concrete parking garage several floors up because the flooding came in about 10 meters above, 30 feet above normal high tide. So you, it was just overwhelmingly wow. dangerous for so long, just such a long period of time. But I've had, I had a tornado one time push over a piece of farmer's irrigation pivot and slammed and smashed out the windshield of my car. I've been caught inside small tornadoes. Uh, there's been a few instances where, yeah, you get those, I call them pucker moments. <laughs> yeah, that would be, but, but just quickly then. So you have literally been on the inside, inside of the actual funnel. Is it by, you know, what you're all accounts of, you know, I know eye of the storm or the hurricane is a little different, but is there, I don't want to say silence inside, but is it sort of quiet or still inside the funnel? There's nothing quiet or still about yeah. it. It's like driving through a swarm of bees. I, I oh. was in my car and we got sideswiped by this tornado in Oklahoma. It was at night. There were power flashes of exploding transformers, debris hitting the car. We had to hide behind a shopping mall. And if there is a calm part in there, I certainly didn't find it. <laughs> no, it doesn't sound calm at all, man. It sounds like the opposite. You you put yourself in a lot of uh, dangerous positions with uh, with tornadoes, it sounds like. And, and also you mentioned earlier about uh, lowering yourself into a volcano. And as one of the very few people who can speak to something that unique, maybe you could fill us in on the play-by-play -play of that. What, how does, how do you go from, you know, just thinking about 
about that and blue skying the idea to, uh, oh shit, this is a lot uh, hotter than I thought it would be. Maybe I should get out of here. Probably the most extreme volcano that I keep returning back to is one called Ambram. Uh, it's on uh, it's on a tiny island in Vanuatu in the South Pacific. It's between Fiji and Australia. And there's a huge crater there. It's 400 meters deep. And over the years, I've done, I believe, 11 different descents through five or six different expeditions down to the bottom. So you're on ropes, you're rappelling down, you're carrying with, your, with you camera equipment, uh, a gasoline-powered rope ascender, first aid gear, you're, just all of this equipment. It takes you hours to rappel down. You get to the very bottom. And it's one of the few places on planet Earth that, at the time, had a churning, boiling lake of liquid rock, this lava lake, that you could walk right up to the edge of. And I have several of these special silver, basically uh, aluminized suits that you would wear in a steel mill. And by putting that suit on, you can walk to the edge and get that that blast of heat hitting you, but without getting immediate third degree burns. And when you're that close to the lava, looking into it, boiling away and churning, it's it's almost like you've got a window into the center of the earth. And it is Dante's Inferno stuff right there. Um, I, and no, no joke. I'm I'm not even being facetious. Can you get life insurance? <laughs> like, do you have coverage? I've had some unusual conversations with insurance companies. I've had to spend a lot of money to get insurance for some of the expeditions. I filmed a a commercial for Burger King inside a volcano in Guatemala one time, and I had to deal with Burger King's insurance company <laughs> while I was leading that expedition. So yeah, it's, there's, there are some challenges in my job. I was going to say, I think it had to be for one of their like uh, picante or whatever <laughs> it was like uh, jalapeno, whatever burgers. Very clever though. Um, so you've obviously, again, you know, lived the, lived the life of probably 10 people in, in the, in the adventures that you've been able to experience, but people that generally do what you do, uh, usually are curious and obviously have that drive, that explorer spirit. So there's got to be things that you're thinking of that you want to do, that you hope to do, that you haven't. What is that next big thing that's on your to-do list? Yeah, I'm so fortunate. I, you know, I, uh, my official title is Explorer in Residence with the Royal Canadian Geographical Society. And I get wow. I get to travel to... 75 countries and I've been camping and climbing mountains in North Korea and been on the Greenland ice sheet and all these amazing experiences. But there's always going to be 10 more items on the bucket list. You know, every time you scratch one off, there's always going to be two more that you add to the bottom. And there are a couple of volcanoes in Antarctica that I haven't been to yet. I've been to one down there, but there's two other ones that are both really active but they're super hard to get to, very expensive, very difficult. So I've got some got some plans for the future. We'll see what happens. I can't talk too much about it. Yeah, wow. well, that's a story for another what if. What's that on your bucket like, list, Richard? It's, uh, <laughs> you know what? It's honestly just uh, coming up with a better morning routine. <laughs> that's, that's literally it, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, great stuff, George. Uh, we could obviously you know, go on forever. Cause again, I think people really love to live vicariously through people like yourself that you know, for, for an odd reason, even though it's terrifying, there's a lot of people who would love to be able to 
experience uh, you know, a tornado sort of up close and personal. There's some fascination level that we have with Mother Nature when it goes to those levels. And obviously, you've been able mm-hmm. to do some incredible stuff. What are some of the, I know, I know some of it you can't talk about, but I know you have some other projects upcoming that we're, are going to sort of delve into your, your, your world. What, uh, what's on the front burner, if you will? Uh, well, the front the front burner is a few uh, three different TV shows on Science Channel right now. Actually, there's wow. uh, What on Earth, which investigates interesting things seen from satellite imagery. Mm. There's Strange Evidence, where I help to dissect interesting things caught on surveillance cameras. Some of it is weather related, and uh, another show is uh, all about debunking uh, conspiracy theories using science. So I'm uh, using my niche knowledge to help. Uh, sort of broaden the the horizons of science on television. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, again, fascinating stuff and really fun, too. Like, it was really fun because you you actually, you know, sort of dug deep into the speculation and, to your point, maybe not probable, but still possible that a tornado could hit an active volcano. And going forward in the future, like, I mean, if we're doing this show in 20 years and 30 years, and we hope we are, um, unfortunately, we might be talking about some of these extreme weather uh, scenarios being uh, realities, not hypotheticals, but that is a story for another what if. Um, George, thanks so much for taking the time uh, and joining us here today on What If Discussed. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks. Like a lot of people, I've you know, always been fascinated with these massive mother nature uh, demonstrations of incredible sort of jaw dropping power. And of course, the the sort of top of that list generally is the big funnel, the big tornado. It, it, you know, you'd see these black and white images, whether they be photographs back in the day or videos, and you just really sort of stop in your tracks at the awe of the power of that. Now, imagine literally not only being in witnessing that up close and personal yeah but as george has experienced being literally inside of the funnel of a tornado and also being in the presence of the guinness book of world record biggest tornado ever that was like three kilometers i mean that stuff has got to shake you to your core you know what it's uh it's a testament to the preparation i think too that uh, that george does it's not just something that uh, you can run out and and witness this obviously you have to be well prepared to know when these things are going to happen mm-hmm. but you also have to be very well prepared um to handle them so yeah. you, you're not just going to go out in a t-shirt and jeans yeah. and uh, <laughs> with your with your iphone yeah. and then speaking of active volcanoes he talked about how he went down active volcano an active volcano you know with his rope and with his yeah. silver suit yeah um obviously there's some equipment that he's bought but there's also a whole lot of knowledge that you need to know before mm-hmm. you go down there and to be honest we've done stories on uh, active volcanoes and you can't just walk up to the to the sure cusp of an active volcano not simply because of the heat but because of the poisonous gases that mm. it's giving off you can't I, I don't know what the actual uh, radius is but you you probably can't get within you know 100 meters of the mouth of an open volcano of a active volcano without inhaling enough poisonous gas to kill you and sir so, nor would you and i guess that that probably uh, reminds me that we should have one of those don't try this at home. Yeah, today well, that's what I was thinking when he was talking about it. I mean, don't <laughs> try this at home. This isn't, yeah, in case you don't fully understand or wasn't clear, I think, I hope it was, that, I mean, this isn't just some sort of amateur 
storm chaser and or adventurer who's been doing sort of jackass level, you know, crazy stuff. This is a somebody who is going at it from a scientific perspective, like you said, with great preparation, great understanding of the situation that you're getting into, not just to minimize risk, but to be able to obviously optimize the opportunity they, 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 to your point these are rare it's not like people are doing these every day whatever yeah. information and data you're going to be able to gather out of that is going to be helpful to a bunch of different fields of science whether it be astronomical in terms of extremophiles in terms of extreme weather people who understand and want to study more about the geology of the like so across the board to your point this is this is somebody's full-time job this is somebody that takes a great deal of preparation of research to be able to do this and of course there's still danger to yourself but you minimize the danger the better prepared you are yeah and and also i was thinking about how many times he has successfully come across a tornado or Mm -hmm. gone into a volcano and not just tornadoes and volcanoes a guy like george has done a whole lot earthquake he talked about hurricane katrina being like right smack dab in the middle of it he's been in so many of these extreme situations and uh, you know maybe a dangerous situation with a with a tornado but you know lowering yourself into a volcano you could probably find something there like i i feel like he might be on the cusp of a scientific discovery somewhere in all of his experiences because he's getting experiences that nobody else is doing so he could be on the cusp of, I don't know, I, I don't know where I'm going with it, but no, no, I, like I, well, that's, discovering a, you know, an animal that lives in the walls of an active volcano and nobody knew about it, but George found it because he was... Uh, everything is theoretical until true. somebody is there and actually can say, well, as, and how many situations even on the show have we, we, we heard about where we always thought this, then somebody personally actually kind of went yeah. there and it was like, well, man, that's news. We didn't know that. That changes the entire direction of science. Yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that George is going to discover something like that. And, and break it on What If Discussed. Break the news on What If Discussed. Well, maybe we'll find out on another episode. Thanks very much again to George Karunas for joining us on today's What If Discussed. If you want more What If, well, you're going to have to uh, take measures into your own hands. Uh, why don't you try, first of all, going to sign up for the What If Explorers Club newsletter. And what better day to be signing up for the What If Explorers club newsletter than a day where we're literally talking about exploration. Yes. Maybe we should sign him. Well, what, uh, he could be our what if explorer in, in residence. Yes. Whoa, Peter, that is a good idea. <laughs> well, we'll bring it up to him on the next show. One thing, uh, you'll see is, uh, an, in the newsletter is, uh, all the things we're doing behind the scenes here, find out what we're working on around, uh, the company and in what if and, uh, and our various other, shows, channels. Uh, one thing we just finished working on was our first ever book. It's called... The What If 100. The What If 100. And uh, it's called that because it's basically your favorite 100 What If scenarios, all bound into a beautiful hardcover book, full color pages, gorgeous artwork and uh, photography, interesting facts, obviously. And of course, your 100 favorite favorite scenarios. It's a coffee table type book that uh, you'd be uh, proud to have in your home and give as a gift. Old school in that if you want to, like, I mean, I come from the Encyclopedia Britannica era, I'm sorry to say, but I still like books. Call me crazy. I like to hold the tactile experience of holding 
holding it and reading it, but not everybody does. A lot of people these days obviously reading on devices, so there's a digital version as well. Digital version you can have and, to, and hold and cherish it on your on your cell iPad phone. iPad or your cell yes, phone. Yes, you can flip through, swiping through it, and uh, and you'll still get the beautiful artwork and the amazing scenarios. You just won't get the uh, the lovely paper paper and piece of art that you can call your own or give as a gift. To get either version and to sign up for the What If Explorers Club newsletter, go to whatifshow.com. That is whatifshow.com. That is whatifshow.com. Okay, well, thank you very much to everybody. I hope you guys learned a lot. I know we both did. Absolutely. Um, And uh, once again, thanks to our guest, George Karunas. We will see you next time on What If Discussed.